to get in that rhythm takes about like five to seven shows and we just hit show number three. So like we're, the we legs fully, aren't there yet. Yeah. We haven't fully gone. Like my voice isn't like a hundred percent into like tour mode yet. So I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely feeling it. And I'm not 21 anymore. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the rebound ready. Either. Yeah. Yeah. interested when I interview artists I'm really interested in the artist's journey and so you I feel like I've gotten to see yours since I was just realizing on the way down here we we did warp tour together and I think like I don't know if it was 2010 or 2011 or 2012 was one of those three 10 or 11 yeah and I remember seeing you I remember you had long black hair and specifically I think the venue that sticks out to me is uh whatever one they do in North Carolina I think it's in I don't remember if it's in rally or uh back then um, I think it was still Charlotte. Yeah, that sounds Maybe, right. I, I think it was. Charlotte was always like really, really, really strong back then. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's a great market now, but. Um. Uh, well, so I remember like there were just a few bands that I remember seeing every day and being like, oh, I've never heard of them because the other wasn't the genre I was into. And you know how fucking scat, it's like a parking lot full of different musicians that yeah. you're other. I, I always enjoyed seeing the, the bands that I didn't expect to be into. Uh, a band that would be around, like Larry and his flask was around the one year, and I remember that name. Yeah, and a bunch of they were just kind of like a country, if, like I don't know, a, a multi-acoustic instrumentalist group. Yeah, and like an ensemble of twelve of them, I think, and they played a lot of the barbecues. So it was just interesting to see that, like, you would have the ex-hardcore metalcore band. I don't know why there was like that stigma for me coming into it, but I feel like I wasn't alone in it certainly, and I just kind of enjoyed seeing the breakdown of the the barriers to entry for each genre and seeing who homied up with each other throughout the summer and made friends. Yeah. But um, so just getting to know you, like seeing you back then, I didn't know you. And then I didn't really get to know you until probably the, the Feel This Tour, the UK yeah. Yeah, headline. 2013. That, yeah, that Sirens did. And uh, I remember you were in like a tank top for a lot of that tour. And I remember being like super cold. I was like, what the hell? How is he fucking yeah. surviving? Yeah, the, those years were like tank top, Toms, skinny jeans, and that was it. And then uh, you had uh, Luke Holland was driving for you then. He showed yep. up in like an even smaller tank top than you. Like just yeah. not, not to be outdone, he came with an even smaller tank top. Yep. Um, but so a lot of things have shifted, I think, for you in your artist's journey for in the last like couple of years, especially since 2020, obviously. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to catch up with you and see where things have been. Like I feel like there's, uh, I saw Tony is playing in Sleep Sirens now. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, that's a, I saw, I went and I saw them a couple <laughs> months ago. Uh, and it's being like, wow, this is so weird. Like the dynamics are shifting and people mm -hmm. are over here. So it's like, uh, I know you guys got the new record coming out, yep. uh, new reality. You're on this tour right now. What's this tour you're on right now? The Skeletons tour. It's with Pop Evil and our label mates, Avoid. And uh, label wise, you guys are not on the same label. I think you were on whenever Correct. we toured yeah. We We left Fearless in 2020. Mm, yeah, 2020. And we signed with Thriller this year, Thriller Records. And Bob Becker, who owned Fearless originally and then sold it, founded a new label and came back into the game. That's nice. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. like retiring there for a while. So yeah, he, he did. He, he did retire. And then he was just like, I, I miss it and I love music. And yeah. so he came back and it's been amazing. You know what I mean? Look at everything that Fearless did under you know under yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, basically like a, a scene changer through and through. Yeah, absolutely. 
So tell me a little bit about this record. What do, I, what do, we, what do people have to look forward to? Uh, I think, you know... Where how, did you guys record? Um, well, we did some with Eric Ron, some with Matt Good, and then the rest with Hiram Hernandez. And, uh, and then one song on our own started, just like, you know, demo writing. And then, uh, yeah, really like kind of tied it all together with Hiram just to make sure everything was like cohesive. So we, we would like re-record certain things and right. whatnot. But we did that and uh, it's really, I mean, the way that I describe it is I think, at least for me, it's the record that if I was to take a step back from the band and try to evaluate it from a fan perspective, I think we have a record that will come out that is going to scratch the itch of every era of the band without like placating what we're trying to do moving forward. Right. And I think, you know, the goal for me, you know, this is the first album where I spearheaded writing it, you know, because after lineup changes and whatnot, you kind of got more active with playing guitar and kind of yeah, writing like I, more. Yeah, I, I, I had started writing on Dark Matter, and I had definitely like been a part early on with certain things, but Tony and Zach were just so much more proficient than I was. And then as we progressed, you know, I really took more of like a songwriter structure. Like I, I could play well enough to like get my ideas out, but I wasn't going to like blow anybody away with like riffs and like shredding stuff or whatnot, but I would always be able to communicate that really easily to Zach and Tony. And so then after, you know, Tony and Matt stepped away and, and Zach ended up taking a year off as well is when I wrote the majority of the record. And cause it was kind of like, I, I didn't have anything to lose and I didn't have anyone like questioning really anything. So right. I got to like try anything and everything I ever wanted to. And I think that was really healthy for the band and for this album and for like us moving forward was to kind of like find a reconnect with the, the signature message and idea that like, I feel like the word alive is you know, both sonically, but also just like what we represent in our scene and how we can try to put out music that is going to be impactful, you know, hopefully a long time after we're gone. And so I just spent a lot of time and wrote and rewrote and I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be fun for, you know, the players of our band to enjoy what they're doing. Super and, big. It's like an underrated important part of the song, yeah. right? It's like, is this actually going to be fun to play live? Because yeah. we've done a bunch of things where we have gone to recording and didn't get any chance to sort of A and B between live and how we feel about it, listening to it in a car or whatever yeah. later. And uh, that, yeah, the fun dynamic is like crucial. Yeah, and so just like taking all everything into account, everything the band had ever done right, everything the band had ever done wrong, and trying to hone that into like one solid record. And I, I think that's what we did. So um, I'm definitely super stoked on it. I mean, we have just only two singles out so far, but it's it's a special record and i 
I'm very excited. I can definitely hear that. The, the difference between uh, New Reality and Nocturnal Futures is like you can see that there's going to be a separation of like, there's going to be a spectrum of the word alive to kind of absorb. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And there's more of that spectrum still to come. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of what I think I'm most excited about is after hearing these two songs, people still don't have any idea what right. the record's going <laughs> to sound like. You know, it's like Nocturnal Future, they thought it was going to sound one way. New reality pulls them a different direction. The next song's going to pull them in a, in a different direction and so forth and so on. So I think it's going to kind of like pull into this like giant circle of like the word alive is all of this. But this is how it should sound when we're cohesive. And so I also see I see you being more active on TikTok lately. Do you kind of are you kind of. Uh... So with Thriller, I was kind of curious, are you guys more engaged in sort of the release strategy and the content creation side of things now? I mean... I don't know if they expect it with TikTok being a platform where it's like, okay, like, look, the barrier for entry on how good something has to look has dropped drastically, so you can do this from home. It, it's definitely like, you know, obviously, you know, new label, new marketing team, new energy, new everything. You know, we're trying to, like, I, I've kind of embraced it, like... I want to give our ch our songs the best chance to succeed. And if me getting on and having fun with fans who love our songs is a part of it, then I'm like, okay, like that's it's no different than what I've been doing for the last it's 15 years. It's just a new years. dynamic. It's just a new new platform of it. And so I think it's it's definitely like a a tool that you can use that you're going to gain some new fans that you know, we're we're seeing it and we're obviously with new reality being on like Octane and getting played on the radio having new fans come that like we're a brand new band to them right, right, right so we don't have that like you know calloused view of like maybe like you got into a record at this exact moment and that's what you hoped the band would always sound like and i know that happens like nostalgia it works in you know really cool ways because the stuff you gravitate towards in those like really pivotal moments in your life that stick with you 10, 15, 20 years Yeah, they're influences later. at that point. Yeah, it's like the, it was a big part of your life. So I totally get it when people are like, oh, like I really love that. And I'm like, I, I understand it. Um, but as an artist, my goal is to, you know, keep pushing the boundaries and keep telling my story and to keep doing what excites me and makes me want to keep doing this. Otherwise, there would be no point for me. What the fuck me. is the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You got to enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm just like, hopefully, you know, maybe this record um, meant a lot to you 10 years ago, and maybe this record, like five years later, didn't connect with you, but maybe five more years in it, and then it does. And that happens. Like, you, you find songs, and you're like, you know what? Like, whatever it was, it, like... I get it now. You know whose journey that kind of I liken that to a lot is uh, like Linkin Park. I kind of feel like they the first two albums came out and like launched into this yeah. pretty pivotal place. And I think 2007 is when their album Minutes to Midnight came out. And I remember I was getting ready to actually uh, Mike, the guy who's live switching, he was getting ready to cross country go to stunt school in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I was getting ready to go to my study abroad in Japan. So like that record came out at the point where all it was so different, but I actually kind of needed it because I need I was going through an adventure yeah. and that soundtrack kind of <clears> hit that for me. So I was able to kind of stay with them. Whereas I feel like a lot of people were turned off starting at that record. And then some of the next records are a little bit more different and experimental and they're growing. But by that point, you've already kind of done the damage of being so large and in the, you know, the zeitgeist of people's knowledge of favorite rock bands that they have. Yeah. And uh, so I can see that that's definitely a part of it. Like, you're always going to have this trajectory. If you guys are growing, like, what's to, you know, you can't 
bottle that in any way and say that it's going to be packaged like this in any way. You sit down and you start writing and influences start kind of pouring in and yeah. things start to shift. It's like it's hard to maintain an exact sound, especially because you, you as, a, as a human being listen to probably many different yeah. genres, yeah. right? I think, you know, The Word Alive was always a band that was influenced by a lot of different stuff. And I think, like, we just happened to, like, kind of pop at, like, a very unique time for the scene. And, you know, we had songs that were more um, influenced by, say, like, the metalcore world. But then we had a lot that were more influenced from, like, from post-hardcore to, like, Paramore, you know? Yeah. So, and it was, like, to us we were never like, this song has to sound like this, or we need to sound like this as a band. But the discussions were just different at that time. Like, now there's like a more hyper focus on like subgenres and people are p picking apart every single song and <laughs> and every single thing. Which that is like can. super fun as an artist to kind of have <laughs> to navigate through. And so, I, you know, I think we just got caught up at times at like chasing different versions of our own band and but what but also trying to escape some of them maybe and you know now th we just don't have to do that and i just try to make a record that i would love myself as a fan of music and something that feels unique to our band but also amongst our peers and that the word alive can be the word alive rather than be like oh that song reminds me of this and which is like inevitably what happens but at the same time i feel like it'll be a lot harder or it'll, it'll be like one person will say i think it sounds like this and oh, i think it sounds like this rather than like hitting the nail on the head so i, th I think we just tried to create a record as a whole that represents the band now but like sets us in motion to to kind of achieve greater than we did over the years just because we were kind of held back by a lack of vision and cohesiveness. Isn't it weird how like sometimes you like you can kind of go through the motions and still accomplish like a lot. Yeah, and then if absolutely. you have a vision for something and you come out and you execute, I feel like you can really kind of it's like the difference between shooting a shotgun and a sniper rifle. Like your your ability to kind of thread a needle gets way better whenever you kind of start to craft that vision, but it's hard when you're young, especially if you guys are I mean, dude, you guys are nonstop touring, I feel like yeah. for a good decade and a half there. Yeah. So it's like what are you going to do? Like yeah, not exactly. be a little bit uh, hard up to find like what the vision is when you don't ever get enough of that detox or break from it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys all have sort of like your home own home recording setups for being able to kind of do stuff remotely or do you? Um, I mean, every band demos differently. So I'm always curious. Yeah, like, Zach, what other Zach does. I thing. go to like my friend's studios. I, I'm super close with Eric Ron. So like, it, you know, if it's writing time, I'm like, hey, what? what day or night or whatever, <laughs> right. can we like set aside something. a block and fucking go out. And I did kind of the same thing and Zach went in with Matt Good and then I went in with Matt Good. And then uh, the Hiram thing kind of got brought up and I went in for a writing session with him and we just jammed and we hit it off so well that I was like, okay, let's do this again. And then after we did the second song, the first song we uh, wrote together was I think what would become the next single. The third single drop. And then Nocturnal Future was the second song that we wrote. So by the by the end of Nocturnal Future, I was like, I feel like this is what we need to connect the dots yeah. and everything. And so then we just you start to see the spread of how the record's gonna start developing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then, and and Matt Good was the one who actually like he he called me and he was like, I really think that the way that you're gonna have the best record is by going to multiple producers. Yeah. Because he's like, if you look at your band as a whole, the songs that have really broken through for you, he was like, some of that is like what I do best, and some of it is what Eric does best. Right. And then he's like, and then there's this other thing that I feel like you're trying to capture, and that's where Hiram uh, came in and. And then everyone worked together. Like Eric came into the studio. Matt would like zoom with us, and we go. So like, it was really kind of like a family, like record in a lot of ways. Where the people, the, the, the producers who had like really pushed our career the last, I mean, four seven years, wanted to be a part of it. And um, and yeah, so I th I think it just like it was a culmination of so many things that had to happen for that to happen, but. It was kind of like when the world shut down, it forced a lot of things to kind of like fall into place in a way that, like you said, we were For just everybody. going, 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 that I don't know, it might have been years before we stopped to to like look around and be like, oh, maybe there's the a different way, <laughs> yeah, like, a better way. When so, did Monomania drop? Uh, 2020. Yeah, but that was like in the like pandemic. a span. week before lockdowns. I was going to say, I feel like that was a March release. Yeah, it was, it was February. Uh, Did that bode well for you? Because I feel February like that's 21st. when Netflix got like higher viewership and Spotify numbers were starting to spike, I feel like. So Spotify bombed at first. People don't remember this, but Spotify went down, podcasts and Netflix went up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listening to music people were like not driving to work they weren't doing like the things and, that they listen to and music they're stuck all in a no house. gym yeah they're stuck in a, yeah no gym they're <laughs> stuck in a house with all these people that like they're like you can't blast the music you love necessarily so it turned like podcasts exploded netflix obviously streaming went through the roof but the people who like were really struggling i think like and they were seeking out music that like really meant a lot to them. We definitely like really deeply connected with a group of people that became a huge part of our core fan base from Monomania. And then they like went backwards. And in what way? So well, just like they weren't around when oh, we yeah, dropped yeah, the yeah. first records. Yeah. So yeah. like if they found Monomania in like lockdowns, and then they're like, man, I love this band. Then they went back and listened to like everything, and I think they those fans looked at our career with a completely different perspective from someone who say was at the beginning and then was even still with us with Monomania and, and loved it all. But from the beginning, it was just a very different perspective of like what the Word Alive is, yeah. and but all of them just still connected over the music, you know, regardless. So I think like for us. Monomania, it was like a blessing and a curse again to like drop during the pandemic because it killed all the pro promotion and marketing for the album. But I think the people who needed it the most had it yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. us. Like if, if we would have, say we would have been scheduled for like an April release, I don't think we would have dropped the record and then we would have waited who knows how long and then, you know, it would have changed everything. There, yeah. I'm so thankful that it dropped before because... It it set in motion again like so much change within the band, but at its core, Monomania had something really special in the message that I think was important for that time for people. Yeah, and so we were able to take that and some of the songwriting dynamic, and and put that into what will be our next record. But it's definitely not like a Monomania Part Two. It's it's not this next record will not be a Part Two of like anything. 
it's taking little pieces. Like I'm sure someone will be like, oh, this reminds me of blah, 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 monomania. This reminds me of dark matter or real or deceiver or whatever. People will find those influences within it because it's the word alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like- um, but I don't think anyone will feel like this record is like an extension of something. It's it's a culmination of the whole history of the band. Well, the benefit, of, I, I feel like, I'm not sure how much of it to dissect into like, as an artist, I feel like we have an eye on how we think things are playing out mm-hmm. versus how they actually play out to the everyday person. Like, I can't be a person who listens to music and isn't also listening to the kind of the production that's going into it and mm-hmm. like wondering, oh, hmm, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I like that. I really like yeah. that moment that they build or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And the same for movies, like doing being in the film production side of things, it's hard to watch movies and not kind of have it be a little bit of homework or, you know. Yeah. So when you're the person who just listens to music, you have a, I think you have a, a fundamentally totally different understanding of the way new records come out from, from bands. And I feel like yeah. before I was invested and involved in music, I was certainly also that way. But, there's something to be said for like you know you dropped this album. When's the album come out? We don't have a I not publicly. No. Dead. Okay. We're just on single two. No, as of now we haven't even announced a new album. Okay. But well, the single's it, out. Yeah, but we haven't talked about the record. Gotcha. Which, okay. Know, it, it it's it's early. It's specifically focusing on song to song right now. Right. We're, we're not. That's good. We're not rushing to tell the story of the album yet. We're just letting things. Uh, kind of organically uh, grow and connect and, and people, you know, find their way to our fan base and kind of if you've been an off off the fence to kind of find your way back in and, and at least be curious. So, But, but yeah. every record is a chance to, I mean, essentially, you're going to discover new people no matter what, every record you drop. And yeah, then kind of getting yeah. the back catalog to go back to is, uh, as a listener, like the listener side of Johnny really appreciates that because I enjoy going down these familial like or familiar sort of nostalgic roads of being for like sure. oh this reminds me of this oh i love this yeah yeah so you've got that going for you for sure so the the release strategy for this one do you feel like you have more of like a hands-on approach to the oh yeah de- definitely i mean this one's just way it seems more like it's being handled out. differently than completely differently like the team is all brand new and one of the things we first talked about was like just how different I wanted it to be from previous releases and for a multitude of reasons. But I just wanted, you know, like this album to me, it's the most pivotal pivotal moment of our career. And so I want to savor every part of it. And I didn't want to just like rush out to be like, oh, we have a new album. It's like, I think the songs are good enough that they're not gonna just like fade out in the uh, in a month and you're like over it or like okay well I I heard that so what's next like I think people are gonna like savor the songs a little bit more and do you subscribe to like the waterfall release strategy kind of in terms of being able to like let your singles go out in a little bit of time as you build up to the record as opposed to just sort of like it used to be like one or two and now you can kind of take your time it's like what yeah. what's the point of dropping I don't dropping think there's any like right or wrong way for us with this record it's more like i want i want everything to be in place so that the record can continually have a story being told rather than just like a single is just dropping because like of course you're going to drop a single yeah the mechanical act is i drop a single i do this yeah i i I wanted to get away from like not really planning for the next move and just like hoping things happen and more so focus on like the art from 
song to song, and then how can we connect a story that's going to inevitably want to make people listen to the record from start to finish. Like, so it's like a weird mixture between focusing on singles, but with the goal of driving people towards the record, like an old school way you would have to listen to the record. Right. Where you can just sense that there's more than just the singles. Yeah. Do you feel like, is does this record have sort of like an overarching like theme? Um... Anything that like kind of sews it all together? Is it sort of like? I mean, there's definitely a lot of consistent things I, I discuss for sure. Um, I I wouldn't say it, it's inherently one theme, but and we obviously I'm not going to share what the album's called, but <laughs> the the title of the album. And the the artwork and a lot of the messages within the songs, I think definitely from track one and the title, I think you're gonna definitely understand like what is what's the goal of this record. Yeah, what story is being told. Yeah. So I, I think it's a lot clearer than it's ever been. So yeah, it's it's just a piece of it that, you know, we're we're is the record right. all done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're at least in the place now where you can kind of focus on that area and not have to still be kind of like tying up certain sessions. Yeah, and yeah no, the, the record's done, the master's done, and we're just doing all the millions of fun behind-the-scenes things that you know you need to do for a record and then some stuff that we've just never done before that we're just trying. Like what? I mean, we've just put out singles, that's it, and then just tour, tour, tour. There's never been like a plan at all (laughs) ever you're like and i'm loving it personally (laughs) yeah so i mean it's just like there's a lot more intention with everything like we the songs that are being released the order the timing what tours they coincide with that's um the way that we release the videos the way that they're on like our channel and you know have you always been previously like on fearless's channel Mm -hmm. or everywhere else yeah we do they did they go back now and do like the like collaborator like the collaborative posting so that you can actually have the the, the viewership and the links that are kind of tied to their channel like you guys clearly released it with them I'm sure contracts in place probably don't allow for that but that I dynamic mean, wasn't there so I wonder if there's room to like renegotiate for <clears> artists that are that have left a, a label that basically you know if, like uh, if you weren't fearless it could have been hopeless or epitaph or like any of these. I mean, you would love that as an artist, but (laughs) as a business, that would be like a business being like, even though we signed this agreement, hey, we're going to cut you into things that have changed. But the negotiable is now you guys are over here and you're dropping it on your new stuff and you're still continuing to grow. And that back catalog viewership is always going to be a part of basically fulfilling an extension of a contract that would make them money. It's like a way for them to loosely kind of... Listen, if common sense was (laughs) what drove the music industry, then the things would be very different. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, obviously that's what I would love to happen or should happen, but, um, and I don't want to go into all the details of our contract, but, um, what I will say is Concord who bought fearless is they're mostly an acquisition label. So they don't really deal with back catalog. And so now that we're not even on the label, there's not really much much incentive for them to do that. Hmm. Um, but, even if common sense says, well, it would help you. Oh, yeah, it's, certainly. It, it, it's, it's not 
They're just like, what's next? What's next? Right, right, Not right. what's going on back It's kind of sad because if you think about it, like uh, across the life of every artist they've released, it's like uh, that's hundreds of artists that you could basically, uh, that doesn't seem like much, but across hundreds of artists, it, it could be good for them. It's just convincing of them of that. And why would they ever listen to that? Yeah, yeah. So what was the window of like construction for this album? Like when did you guys kind of start writing it? Was it these were songs that were maybe already kind of in the ether and circling around the uh, the, the group first text? the first song that I wrote for this record was actually 2019 and I started writing it for Monomania. Damn. Um, it got discarded, which I was very against at the time, but I'm very thankful that it did now because it just kept growing and. I think it's going to be a very special song. Um, but pretty much right after Monomania, like, I think I took six months off through the pandemic of, like, not doing shit. And then <laughs> oh, you I, too? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did stuff, but, like, nothing. There was no end in sight, so there was no, like, <laughs> rush. And we had just dropped a new record. But yeah. then I was, like, it was becoming clear, like, this is going to go on for a long time. And probably by the time we're touring again, Monomania may have been out for years. Who knows? Yeah, yeah so, knows. so I was like, I'm just going to start writing new music. So I just started doing that in uh, 20, late 2020 maybe was the first time I started. Tony and Matt were still in the band when we started writing what would be the next record. But then when they left, we scrapped all those songs. It started from scratch. Uh, except for one. There's like one part of one song that Tony uh, has a part on and instead of cutting it out and rewriting it I was like I love Tony and, right. and his style and um, I thought it was kind of cool to leave in like one last piece yeah you know, for sure for, for homage yeah and so other than that I wrote most of the record over the last I don't know like 20 late 2021 and then all of 2022 did it consume a lot of your personal life, do you feel like? All of it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, what is a personal I was, life? I was in the studio four to six days a week, 12 to 16 hours a day. Damn. Just working on the record. That was it. That's crazy. Yeah. So you got, I mean, you have a heavy hand in the writing aspect of this record. And it's oh, yeah. going to yeah. be, I mean, you're, you're, like you said, you're kind of in this pivotal place where you have to kind of, you're reestablishing, not, re, not even reestablishing, you're establishing now yeah. what this new, you know, incarnation of you guys is going to look like moving forward. Does it kind of add an extra weight to the back end of like how it comes out and perception of it? I feel like the the person to me that is so hypercritical <clears throat> and afraid of what somebody's going to think of something that I poured everything into cannot handle somebody just shitting on this thing that I love. Even though I, I try not to let anything be like, no song is my baby, but they're all kind of your fucking babies. So, you know, it's interesting because I, so much less than ever before, and I think the reason it's less is because before I had doubts myself about certain songs and parts because it was like maybe I didn't agree with it or I'm like, I really don't think this is the right song or right move or right part or whatever. But, you know, as a democratic band, you know, <laughs> the vote. all of us had songs we probably wish weren't never made it out. This record is not like that for me. Like, I'm proud, like, I could give two shits if it doesn't do well because I just believe that this is the record that needed to be made. I want it to do well, of course, and I believe it will. I just have a different level of confidence because I know, I know the intention behind every single part, every single song, every lyric, every guitar part, every bass line, 
from top to bottom, there was not a single part of the album that wasn't like dissected and thought of. And <laughs> you didn't spend an inordinate yeah. amount of intimate time with. Yeah. So like for me, like I'm, I'm just excited. Like I, I feel like our fans are going to be excited. I feel like some people will be surprised. You inevitably are going to have people that want you to do maybe something that you're not. And, but I'm okay with that because I, I've been doing this long enough. Like I also like trust the artist side of myself and that I needed to make this, maybe it was subconsciously, maybe there's something that, you know, I felt pulled to do and I'm going to make more songs after this. Like it's, it's not like this is like the end all of my life or um, my creative, you know, outpouring into the world. But for me, it it's almost like a sense of calm because there's no like, Man, you seem I, real chill about it right now. Yeah, I was like, man, I, like, oh, I wish the song wasn't coming out. Like, there isn't that. I'm just, like, excited for people to discover what we made. And I think, you know, our crew that have heard it and a bunch of our friends who've, you know, sat in for songs or whatnot, it's a very general consensus, like, feeling and range of emotions that it's just kind of giving me even more... I, I want to say confidence is the right word, but just it's very rewarding to feel like that this thing that you dedicated like every waking hour of your life pretty much to the the thing that you were trying to convey is like being seen and felt and heard. So it's very validating, very rewarding, and I'm just excited. Have you been, have you passed it around to any of like your peers? I'm always like, I, I love peer I feedback and I yeah. hate it at the same time. So I feel like I want it until I, either I get it and then you realize, oh shit, you're just a different artist. And I thought you were going to maybe approach this a different way and understanding and you've come clearly with the lens that you've got on to absorb it from. I, I haven't sent the full record to anybody. Um, I, you know, it's kind of like, like the older I get, the more private I become. And it's kind of like, say you like met someone and you're like, I think I'm in, I think I'm in love with this person, you know, <laughs> rather than like one. me going and shouting it from the rooftops, it's like, if we happen to casually like run into each other and it comes up like organically, then I share it with someone in a moment where it feels more personal. Um, so that's kind of how this record is. Like, I'm not like, can I show you the song? But it's just like, if it happens, Because you're happens. excited about all of it. Like, Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just like, I'm very happy to like, just let people hear it when it's an organic thing, rather than like, sending it out to all my friends like I would do with every other previous record. It's more like when we're having a conversation. <laughs> they get the Dropbox link, it's the whole album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like that, that I don't know. It just feels impersonal almost. Like I would yeah. rather it feel more personal because it's the most personal record for me. And so I don't like to just like send the whole thing out. Like it's just not that kind of record. And I want even some of my friends to like hear it for the first time with everyone else. I, I This is kind of weird. So I don't listen to a lot of my friends' bands until I see them live after it drops. Like yeah. I feel like I've seen like the last three Sleeping With Sirens records, I, I didn't listen to them at all until I went and I'd go shoot something for them. Yeah. And because you, you see what the visceral connection to the music is mm -hmm. when you're kind of there stretching your legs. Yeah. And that's true. For, <laughs> I think mean, that's true for most of the artists that I, I'm either friends with or have toured with in the past. And I think I almost prefer it that way because I feel like 
you can get a bad mix in a master that's not going to quite lock down the feeling the way you're able to whenever you've got a, you know, a good crew with you. Yeah, I mean, live music is definitely, and I say it all the time, it's the best part of music in general. And I think you could see a song live that makes you fall in love with the band. I certainly like certain bands live that... I wouldn't listen to their records like on record, but like live, I'm like, damn, this is fucking awesome. Like, and that's how I I love when people connect with our band from seeing us live first. But also I'm like, yeah, if you hear our song and you love it and you come to a show, it's the same kind of thing. It's just the reverse. Right. Um, e either way, it's just about connection. And so some people connect better in a live setting with music and some people connect better when they like put their headphones on and get to listen to it with no distractions. So whatever floats your boat, as long as you're liking the product at the end, like, you know, and wanting to come see us live again, that's the, obviously the goal. And buying, buying a t-shirt. I mean, that, that definitely, <laughs> that keeps the lights on for sure. Uh, <clears throat> how's Colby doing? She's good, 12, yeah. 12 and counting. Just, I just saw it. Yeah. Scares there a couple of years back with some surgeries and stuff. I remember. Yeah, she's she's gone through the ringer, but she's um, she's. Can I grab water? I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah dying. for sure. It's been I've been talking for. Go for it. Go for it. Oh there. Um. Yeah, like, she, regretting I didn't bring my water. She's great in just embracing every little bit of extra time to have with her after this tour. It would have been the longest I've ever gone without seeing her. So, my dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, my dog. She's great. She's like a little a warp tour vet, though. She would come on every warp tour. Yeah, I think I have. Uh, I had pictures with her. I think in twenty thirteen or something. No, twenty like fourteen maybe. She came on eleven, fourteen, sixteen. She came out to warp tours in between, like when I would visit friends. In <laughs> One of like the most well traveled dogs. Yeah, definitely. That's oh, for sure. So uh, what were kind of some of the hurdles you feel like you had to deal with with this record that weren't necessarily pertaining to? I'm wondering, like, I mean, with the switch between labels, I'm curious why, I feel like most artists I know, once they fulfill that like four record contract or whatever it is with one <clears> label, like they cannot fucking wait to be on their own and drop stuff. And then you realize you need all of this like infrastructure in place to make shit go smoothly. And yeah. it actually is like almost at that point not helpful to be on your own, even though you can take in the lion's share of the profits of streams and stuff like that. Have you well, guys had some like hurdles in the transition between the two? I feel like you wouldn't have signed if you weren't like, this is the next. Yeah, so I mean, we were in so. a position where we were totally fine not signing a record deal and we had dropped uh, we had dropped like a one-off single and a cover. And so we got to see that like, you can make more with less, you know, doing it on your own. Um, the record was, I would say, 70% written, uh, almost every song at least was in an idea form by the time we came back to Thriller. Cause we've been getting sent offers. Like once people found out that we were off Fearless. We free getting, agents. We're, yeah, we were having conversations. We had had meetings. We had, you know, had some really great offers and kind of 11th hour, uh, Bob came and, you know, had a conversation with us. And it's it Bob. just it just felt <laughs> like it just felt like destiny, like unfinished business. And, Hell yeah! And he knew what we've been through as a band and, and me individually. And it was really important to feel like the the energy behind the record was kind of the same that I feel, which is 
yeah, like we have our history and we have, you know, 14 years of being a band. But I feel like the band is like brand new in a lot of ways. So I wanted someone who understood the history, but wasn't like gonna cater what we're doing right now. Or make you be beholden to it. Like, this is the record I'm looking for. I need this record and this record. And if you could have a single on there that's around, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, like, inadvertently, Bob had heard like very, very, very little, um, almost nothing at all. Um, And he said he didn't want to. Like, as a sign of, like, faith, he's like, I want you to know, like, from our conversations, he was like, I want you to know that I I believe in you and I believe in the word alive and I believe in whatever it is you feel like you guys needed to make, like, I'm all in and I want to be a part of it. So he, like, actually turned down hearing songs before he sent the, before we signed because he wanted us to just know that, like, it wasn't about just that. You know, it was... From his perspective, think about how long he's been doing it, man. Like, I'd rather be in it with the people that you know are going to see it through and, like, justly, right? Like, they're they're there for all the right reasons. There's none of the... Like, at a certain point, you guys have weeded out, like all bands do, like, just sort of, like, the, the ego and the mm-hmm. entitlism and things like that that you, you feel like can, can set a lot of bands back. I, you, you tour and you're active in the industry in that regard. Do you feel like you look around and can kind of see some of like the negative, what are like some of the negative habits you would say you see of other artists that are out there? Cause you kind of, you talk, you shoot, shoot the shit and talk shop yeah. like all the time when you've got all the downtime between the hour that you guys have to play. I mean, I just think, you know, like the awareness of how fucked artists are <laughs> and get is so much more prevalent to the average person now than it ever was. Artists didn't even know how bad they were getting fucked over when we first signed. Now, like, <laughs> a, you know, a person who works at Subway, like, can read and see t- a TikTok video go viral that explains how the music industry is and like, wow, that's fucked up. Yeah, why are we doing You know, that? so it's like, that did not exist when we were first starting. So, like, now being 14 years in, feeling like, you know, I have definitely some like leadership and guidance to be able to share with younger bands yeah, we tour sure. with. And my my ideology is there's no amount of information that I could give that would like hurt me to share. Like if you find a better way or know a better way because of a path I had to go down, then cool. Like even though I didn't have as much information when I first started, I still had a few older bands take me and the band under their wings, Under Oath being one of them, Silverstein, and kind of sharing some of their perspective on certain things. So Mentoring. While it was like a lot more condensed and less business oriented, I still learned so much from them. And so now that we're in a position that I've seen a lot of like, do not do this, I promise you it's not going to end well. <laughs> you know, we can share that. And if it means even one band doesn't have to go down the path that we did. And hit cool. those potholes. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I just, I want to try to, I, I would guess the the best term is like age gracefully is like a band in our scene where we might never be the biggest band um, or the most influential, but Hopefully, you know, when it's all said and done, we've made a really cool impact like on from our listeners to, our, you know, the people we've toured with. And hopefully that's what we're ultimately remembered as is something that was 
you know, we, we existed in a really cool time of music and, you know, we were just a part of it, like, truly from, like, the ground up and every, every way that we put out music, the way that we interact with our fans. And um, hopefully our legacy is something cool that, you know, we can all look back on and be proud of. I think it's even crazier to look back and think about how much has changed music industry-wise just since, yeah, like, not only, like, the artists not knowing they're getting fucked when they're signing 14 years ago, yeah. but, like, how much the industry itself changed. The shift to streaming and, like, the, the ditching of sort of, like, all of the physical sales and then seeing vinyl make this resurgence out of yeah. nowhere, it's like you can almost see, like, a better sale of vinyl than you'll see of CDs at your mm -hmm. merch stand, depending on, like, what artist you are, mm -hmm. what, you know, what your markets are like that you're touching on tour. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like... It's cool that you guys are, so you guys get to run your YouTube now, and yeah, are you big on the YouTube shorts? I feel like I've been fucking with YouTube shorts uh, really hard lately. No, I, I'm still like very new into YouTube, and you know, it, it's only been a focus, I don't know, for maybe three months now, so we never focused on it our whole career. <laughs> you didn't ever. have to. And, and, and I wish we had, because it's, it's one of the few things that has just steadily kept growing and been, you know, uh, an amazing feature for musicians, but also like fans and people wanting to educate themselves on, you know, playing music or what what have you, like anything, it, it's it's all free. YouTube is an, an incredible resource. We'd never utilized it really. And so I'm still like everything except for like, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what, you know, the- The more social the, the big three ones. standard ones. I don't really know a lot. I'm learning just like, you know, a lot of people are, but uh, I, I'm just excited. To me, I'm like, if you tell me, like, if you do this one thing and it, it'll help people find your music, I'm like, sure, okay, cool. Yeah, oh, so, thing? Okay, I'm in. Yeah, so I'm not, like, hyped about anything or I'm not against anything. I'm just, like, I'm just trying to create and live my life as best I can, and I'm just reliant upon, you know, the people that, you know, believe in our band to kind of help guide me towards like what I need to put my time and energy into understanding better. So I do YouTube shorts. I do know what they are, of course. And like it's a I, YouTube's version of TikTok. Essentially. Yeah, like, it's we just there are so many things <laughs> and oh, yeah. only so many hours in the day. And, you know, it's hard. I feel like I'm a person that like the older I get, I, I want to try to be on my phone less, not for more. sure. And because everything is driving more and more through the phone, but also like organic and like from the artist. So it's like, unless I'm doing it, then it's not going to happen. Right. So like it's, I'm like, the more I try to separate from my phone, the more I feel like it draws me in. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's the uphill battle. The tug, the tug of war that you're in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that I think, I, I, I got on TikTok right at the tail end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember being like, okay, this is interesting. And I had a video go viral. I was like, that's fucking dope. All I did was tell yeah. a story. Yeah. And just seeing that organic reach was really there was interesting. But I think in the two years following after that, the one thing that really kind of happened was you had a lot of artists had to find a place to outpour. And so it wasn't just music that was making its way onto the platform. It was the discussions about like sort of the industry and how, mm -hmm. you know, streaming platforms are fucking you and how yeah. this, that, and the other thing. So you have like all of this sort of transparency taking place yeah. and in such an elevated and like mass focused way, like TikTok started being, making its way into 
you know, Saturday Night Live skits. So now it's like no matter where you go, you're kind of being uh, indoctrinated and in knowing that short form media is very, very interesting now. And then another thing it did is it kind of lowered the bar for quality that we accept as short form media. Yeah. And, you know, like captions on screen and stuff like that. Like it's, it's been really interesting to watch sort of an industry shift from the media production and content creation side of things. And then as the artist, the, the problem then is, okay, now how do I integrate this thing that is my art, my life, my soul into these other things that feel a little soul sucky? So yeah, yeah. I'd like to avoid that. And you're in this age where people want the transparency. They want to see like, you know, not necessarily what you're eating and the next shit you take, but they want to know sort of like what's in the sausage. How do you make that or what's that? I, th I think, you know, a lot of artists, it's they've never been given kind of their own, you know, like it's like their own outlet. We had to go to, you had to get press to like yeah. speak on the things that you're passionate about. Now you don't have to do that. If you want to talk about track by track, this is what this song is about, this is what it means to me, this is the headspace I was in, you can just do that and post that video yourself. So you don't have to you don't have to wait to get a feature on like altpress.com right. to do your track by track. You can just do it and put it out. And, and ultimately, they can't push anything out to a group of fans that don't, nobody that doesn't give a shit about you is gonna see this article and then all of a sudden go watch this commentary album. So like for you yeah. and the artist perspective, I think, I think Bring Me The Horizon did that with a record a few records ago where they did the album dropped and they did the album where every other track or at the end of every track or the beginning of the track was like a, not a forward necessarily, but sort of like a discussion about a commentary of the album and where it came yeah. from, maybe in little short stories. And if you're a fan, that's awesome. Like you, that's really yeah. who that's supposed to be for. Yeah, it's it's not about numbers. Like I, I've listened to a lot of, um, you know, Spotify has done a lot of commentary re-releases where it's, yeah, specifically it's for a very niche, you know, market within your own fan base but I mean at least for people like me like I like that it, it's something that at some point I would love to do for all of our records and it's kind of like a trip through you know down memory lane so to speak so yeah I mean, it's basically it's an anthology you're going yeah, through and basically yeah. telling the entire uh, autobiography of the band and where things are at be cool to get like a group of every member over time and just have people come in and just do yeah. that's like we, the, we did a podcast the word alive did a podcast in the pandemic um, and, well, it started right before, and we talked about different records and different songs and stuff. And you it, see, it, the fans it, probably fucking love that. It was really cool. It was really cool, and I, I love that. You know, like it'll just live there for forever. But yeah, definitely cool. Do you feel like uh, at home yet playing these songs live? Because I feel like this is the first tour in a hot minute. Uh, it hasn't been. No, no, we've been touring. Um, the, I mean, this obviously new reality just came out like right before this tour, um, so it's the first time for it. But so you guys um, basically just got to start playing Monomania for the first time after. I mean, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one was our first tour uh, star set, so we had to wait. Like, I think we played the song Monomania and maybe one other one before. No, burning your world down. We played like a few songs. It all blurs together yeah. at this point. I'm and sure. then the first tour back was like the first time we got to play like more songs. So we've sp we sprinkled it in. We did do some like live streams, you know, and all that stuff. So we we got to like share some of the record, you know, in that way. But yeah, I, th I think like for a lot of people, the last probably two or three tours, like 
it was the first chance to see us playing those songs. So we sprinkled some of those in, but my my goal was like to never hyper focus on one release ever again. So we have stuff from like multiple records, like on this tour that we're doing right now, we have 10 songs and we, we represent every single release except for uh, one. So it's like a, as a support tour, it's the most career, you know, like expansive set list we've had on a support tour ever. And rather than just be like, well, this is the most recent record, so let's play a bunch of songs off of it. It's like, we've been a band for 14 years. We've got a lot of <laughs> yeah, cool where songs. Do we pick? Yeah. Like, it, as it gets harder to pick, I think the easier thing is just to pick like a favorite one to three off a record and and then s sprinkle in songs just to change it up. So we'll never play the same set list twice ever again. And we'll... Like between tours or like... Well, yeah, like, you know, I think a lot of tours, support tours were like pretty much play the same set list, maybe change one song. Maybe right. Now it's like we're changing the orders, we're changing the songs. Like, you know, some of our biggest songs where we haven't played for a couple of tours because we're just giving them a break. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. Okay, well, there was also a period of time, I mean, Life Cycles, I feel like I've heard that song just from like multiple tours, like that was like the song. And then we I remember- We just brought it back. I yeah. remember going and seeing it, I think at Ram's Head Live down in Baltimore and I don't think you guys played it there. And I was like, wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I, I didn't get the chance to talk to you about it, but I was like, oh, that is kind of interesting. I thought, I don't know if you guys have, like you said, you kind of pick whatever you think is like a favorite off of there. The metric you use to decide what is the favorite song that you want to add on it. This is like probably something that a lot of bands could benefit from hearing your take on, but like determining your set list, that's really just, building your show like you're determining the pacing and the the you yeah. know the atmosphere you're going to give people for 30 to 45 minutes or an hour and 15 if you're headlining or whatever yeah i i mean it's definitely a range of things i mean obviously we look at like active who's listening and streaming and purchasing you know what songs that's like a part of it you have the legacy of the band you have the bands you're touring with and kind of the environment you expect, the type right, of fan right. that's going to be You don't there. want to cater to it, but you don't want to be so foreign that like people are having exactly. a hard time connecting to it. And, and then like you said, pacing, like I want to, I want our show to, to be an experience. I don't want it to be, just be sound like 10 of the same thing. So we have variety to show the range of our band. Right, just 10 straight rippers. And, yeah. like, and, 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 and we've had, you know, yeah, we played Heartsport Fest and it was, almost like seven straight rippers but like that was very intentional it was the shortest set we'd played in years seven songs it's like but i don't think we've played under eight to ten i couldn't even tell you how long probably since 2015. <laughs> yeah so encroaching upon a decade cool yeah casual. yeah so it's like for us it was like let's just go and just hit it really hard and it would be really a really fun set how was it it was great. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, we actually loved it. Yeah, no, it was awesome. So, but like when you're doing a longer, you know, the, the push in the pool, like you, I don't, you're going to wear people out if it's Give just every song is a yeah. jumping song. Every song is a, this song, like we show the different sides of our band, but all, I'm also thinking of like the pacing of the show and wearing fans out and whatnot. Plus you, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, my voice. All the songs yeah. higher register. You're like, uh, maybe we pack those somewhere in the middle where I know I'm warmed up for sure before I start trying yeah. to jump to those notes. Yeah, I, you know, de definitely like my voice plays a role in at least the order of certain songs. How was your regiment for prepping pre-show and getting your voice ready changed since like 
early I'm, days of Word yeah. Alive to I mean, now, I'm you sure it's You don't know shit when you first start. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, like I'm driving the all the youth. night drives and then, oh, my voice is gone. Like after that, like I'm going to not talk very much the rest of the night because I can't. Like I sing in 10 songs. It's not easy. Right. I can only do this on off days. Like I can't do like I don't do all and my at press. A on, yeah, I don't. I don't do all my press, like on show days because you're talking for hours and hours. I'm still talking for hours and hours doing VIP. I still meet fans every show. I do as much as I can. If we have friends in a city, but like you just have to be mindful. Like your my body, it, I'm I'm not a guitar. You know I can't right. just like change can't the strings. Tune so I, I have to be mindful of that, you know, and I even told you before, like, I'm like, I got to be careful about when I do this and I might, might not. Yeah, like, for sure. Back in the day, like, I would just never set boundaries for myself. No, and no, no. I'm like, my voice comes above anything else. Definitely. And I'm like, you know, and we have band and crew now that fully understand that and respect that because if I blow out my voice, we cancel a show. That's the tour. It hurts everyone. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. I, I feel like when we were, I was trying to link up yesterday when you guys were uh, north of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And yep, yep. I remember being like, uh, the first few days of tour you said were kind of chaotic. We're and, only three shows. That, yeah, this is, this is releasing a song right before tour and doing like press for two weeks. I do not recommend it to any singers. 10 out of like, 10, don't yeah. do it. It's, I, what, I, what I'll do next time is definitely space space out because there's so now with like tiktok and with youtube all these it's like our press is like never ending right you know it's right. like it's because what all, qualifies as press is way wider it's now in content scope. it's just content yeah you know and so that's something i'm like still getting used to is like there are no days off you know right it's always something but there are more people coming to shows being like, oh, I saw this. Oh, I heard this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, well, it, it does make an impact. They don't just absorb the word alive through music, right? They're like, they, and I think that's true. Uh, I, I watched during the pandemic uh, Get Back, uh, the Beatles on HBO. And what was really interesting was to see, like, they were just essentially documenting and being transparent about everything. So no wonder in an age where, you know, that sort of viewership was gatekeeped, gatekeeped by who could get things out on television where people could see it in mass. That was the distribution network. Now the network is in our hands. Yeah. You know, so it's like, are there platforms where I can get there? Yeah. I feel like if artists would pay attention to that a little bit more, they might be more mindful of the how within their grasp it is to really reach out and capture the attention of people that you're trying to reach out after. Yeah. But whenever I, I reached out yesterday just to see like where you're at or where you're doing uh i realized in hindsight just from that comment you made that i i don't take offense when somebody has a boundary i'm like oh shit yeah true like i yeah. i can't operate as if i pretend to know what yours are so all i can do is ask and if you're like hey there's a boundary here yeah. it's like oh okay yeah no and i totally get why there's yeah. no offense to it it's like it's, oh yes the tracks you know it ch changes everything changes every day and you know me and some of my guys were talking last night and it's you know wearing different hats like there's like moments where I'm like the singer of the word alive then there's moments where I'm like quasi managing then there's moments where I'm the social media manager then you know it's like as you grow and you're able to like 
shift out some of your priorities to other people that you trust, it helps so much. And, you know, we're, we're still coming back from like years of our industry being destroyed. So like, you know, we have a small crew and it's, you know, it takes a lot of people to like really move at a high level and as efficiently as possible. So it's like everyone is doing multiple jobs, you know, essentially. And so it's like, we're that's yeah we're just trying our best to get everything moving you know in a very like smooth direction but like cohesively even with our team on tour but then it's like we're playing a show maybe on saturday night and it's like that's your your team at the labels maybe it's like I, I'm not working on the weekend or, you right, know, right. It, it, so it's like, you have to be really, really in tune with your band and crew on tour because you know, you, you're working seven days a week. There For are sure. no off days cause you're still gone and you're traveling and whatnot. So it's really important to, uh, try to lean on each other, but also like, yeah, you have to set boundaries because then that's when you're like burnt out on tour. Like Two three weeks in, and you're like, "Fool, we got four more of these I need, to go." I need I need three off days to like get yeah. back to normal. So, uh, well, you mentioned it a couple times now. I think like the the team building exercise, like that that part of sort of what it is, is super important because that's essentially your environment. That's the nature versus nurture. Like who you put around you is a big part of how successful you can be, whatever that metric looks like for you. Yeah. And so it makes it super critical to make sure you've got a good team around you with res- that respects the boundaries, understands sort of like the ebb and flow of things. Uh, who do you have out with you right now that you're, you're kind of like seeing the, I guess sort of like the positive gelling cohesiveness with that you're like glad to have out that understands I mean, what the world everyone, lies, our, our whole band and crew, like every, every person plays like a pivotal role. Um, we, there's four of us in the band and we have only three crew and like, Every single person is doing at least two jobs, essentially. Uh, Kai, who's in, in the room right now. <laughs> Who wished he could have taken a fucking nap tonight. <laughs> guitar tech driver. And uh, then we have Chris, front of house TM. And then the classic have, front of house TM position. Yeah, and this is his first tour doing tour managing. So there's like, you know, we're, we're growing together. Learning curve. Then we have Wolf, who does merch and content and VIP. And so, so he's, he's shooting just, and doing photo and video. Yeah, and he, so that's he's such a like good position, man. I, so that's another thing. We, you were talking about the podcast you did before, you know, trying to get, it doesn't matter gender wise who you're trying to get in the industry. If you want to be a photographer, they're like, oh, what can I do to, I have a lot of people that want to do photography and they, they'll hit me up like, hey, do you know anybody that could get me in for this show to do this? And, and it's hard to kind of present to them the idea that you have to have sort of like this, not just that skill. It's like there should be a secondary thing that you can follow it up with. It is exceptionally rare to break into touring if you only do one thing. Right, because that doesn't help anybody. Okay, this is the first. It's, I mean, when you're a band and you're just starting out, say you're the driver, the singer, the manager, the tour manager, the merch person... <laughs> It's like your guitar players are, you know, your techs, also merch people, also drivers. <laughs> you know, it's like every single person is is doing that. It And it really doesn't even make sense to go beyond that. We did it too soon because, like, we were spending all the money we were making trying to make our lives easier, but it was counterproductive because 
you know, we thought it was like a negative to be like self-sufficient. Right, yeah, as opposed to it being like straight up good for your wallet, good for the band, good for morale because you have your hand in on more things that are kind of like integral processes. There's a team and you're you're aware of it and you're working hand in hand with your guys and or girls. And I think, yeah, it's just, uh, it's for us, it's just more about like having good people that like want to see you win and succeed because otherwise it's just a paycheck for them, you know? And we have had crew members that have been just, just like floating paychecks. Did, yeah, and it's like I want you know three years from now to be on tour with the same people. Yeah, you know, like I want to build something that like we're all part of the growth process. I find a lot of photographers are really friendly. <laughs> I personally have always enjoyed seeing the f- photographer videographer like merch person combo, and then the front of house TM combo is good because if you're just a sound guy, you're not just a sound guy, but you you have this other vested interest in making sure that the tour goes well, and you kind of get to have your hands in on the the sound, which is like the most integral part of the fucking experience, yeah. to make sure that the venue is holding up their end and making sure everything sounds good. But yeah. that's not anything you guys I felt like I've ever had a problem with. I'm uh, I don't want to keep you online. We've, we've, you been, the, we've been blessed with very good crew like throughout our career. Um, I think the hardest thing is like keeping great crew. Like, yeah, that's because sometimes the money's not right though, and you have to kind of like. You have to respect both sides where it's like, okay, look, like I can't keep doing this. I jumped in on tour with our last night. Starting pay was like a hundred bucks a week. Yeah. And then watch them grow. And it's yeah. like I and they took care of me every step of the way. And I like always yeah. loved that about them because they were they weren't afraid to let me grow with them. Yeah. And I think that's the goal. And that's what you want with your team, like whether it's on tour or off. Like you want to have people who believe in it, who want to grow, and they help you grow. And then that just feeds back into itself. And yeah, the only way that you can really go to that next level, I feel like, is by like repaying, you know, the people that helped you get there in the first place, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of parts of the job, if you're just doing crew stuff, that can seem pretty thankless, but are like, fundamentally, you you cannot take them out of the equation because they literally make things happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time. So you got the guys that are in town you want to be able to go hang out with. But I appreciate yeah, taking... Uh, I'm not going to be able to be awake uh, a ton to, tonight. So we'll we'll get some some hangs in. But as you can tell... I'm, You're ready for bed. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, I'm exhausted. It's, well, been, it's been a long start to the tour. We drove 50 hours straight after days of rehearsing. I had no, like no days off before. Where did you guys rehearse at? LA. Out in LA. Yeah, we're in, uh, I'm in LA and we rehearse in LA now. And then we drove out. Me and Kai did, how much did we do, Kai? Um, Iron 20 Man hours some, each. We, we both did about 20 to 21 hours each, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Each back to back or alternating? Like, I'll Iron Man. Yeah, I'll do 15 rock solid if somebody wants to take yeah, a break we, after that. We alternated, but it's, and then it was like a, a combination of really bad weather to start. <laughs> Um, just the drives, the schedule of the day, like it's been hard to get in that rhythm takes about like five to seven shows and we just hit show number three. So like we're, the legs aren't there yet. Yeah. We haven't fully gone. Like my voice isn't like a hundred percent into like tour mode yet. So I'm like. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling it, and I'm not 21 anymore. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the rebound right either. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like when, you know, you could go, and 
I don't I don't drink that much anymore, and I'm Same. trying to be like super healthy. Um, but I you know I like to hang out and have a good time still. Yeah, so yeah. it's like I'm trying to find the the perfect balance where I do everything to. to to make my voice number one, but I also need to stay sane in that. Right, that work-life like seeing balance. Friends and family, and and hanging out with your band and crew off the clock, I think, is yes. important. Otherwise, you get kind of—it's real quick to get like seclusionary. It, you it, yeah, if it feels like and... you're just only like business, 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 and it's like. You know, How about I, this part of this? It's uh, we're actually on a family vacation. Is really yeah, what this is, yeah. and it just has a lot of work involved. That, that's the yeah, that's the vibe that you know I I would love for us to feel. It's like family vacation, and we just have to like mow the lawn real quick. You know, it's <laughs> like you just got to do this one chore. That only that chore is like a twelve hour day. Right, right, right. <laughs> just if you could just dial it in. Uh, where do you guys play tomorrow? Here, Lidditz. Uh I couldn't tell you the venue. But it's, it's, oh yeah, so it is, it's like yeah. attached to the building or something like that. So Mickey's. Mickey's? Mickey's. Mickey's. Right on. Yeah, I pretty much look when I wake up in the morning <laughs> and I'm like, where am I? Where are we playing? Okay, sick. Have I been here before? If so, where am I going to eat? <laughs> what are the creature comforts I have that, in this area? Yeah. I foolishly asked you like four days ago if you had a day sheet for today and you, or for yesterday and you were like, I will get back to you as soon as I get master tour. Yeah, and... Oh, oh, yeah, because before tour, we didn't get it until day one. And then, unless you reminded me, that conversation is a thousand conversations Oh, I get it. Longer. I do have it now. I can, <laughs> I can give it to you now. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with oh. me and do the podcast. I hope you have some fun hanging out. I'm really excited to hear this record now that I've got more of like a, an understanding yeah. of what poured into it and where it came from. And Yeah, I like that this kind of feels like a casting couch. Uh, situation where just and, I only let it slide as blue yeah. and like kind of this like suede. If it was like a pleather, uh, yeah, I, yeah, situation, it definitely. I was like, if, if we didn't have this and the barrier, and the, you know, maybe we had a little mood music. It would be like, it just or if there was just like a phone here <laughs> and like a fake like notepad or something. We're just waiting for it's somebody like, to call in and give us the next question that we're gonna answer. And only yeah. the questions are super perverse and uh, yeah. there's like cameras that are hidden. Actually, that clock over there, that yeah. mirror is like a two-way mirror for sure. I'm not. I'm not wearing pants really. It's. I just have a napkin draped over me. Post-pandemic, that's acceptable though. People don't. Yeah. We don't judge. Like, it's. It's whatever you're comfortable wearing. Which I'll do is like definitely no pants. Client meetings for sure in my underwear and just like just shirt and a button down, but no. Nothing. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. I'm not standing up. We don't have to worry about anything here. I, the I first off, I love Zoom because <laughs> I love like getting everyone to talk as fast as possible and get it over with. Like, yeah. On the phone, people are distracted walking around like Zoom. It's like you're 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 all honed in. I feel like the conversations, it's like 20 minutes less than it would have been if you were doing a phone call, because everyone's also like, okay, everyone's looking at me. Like, let's just get let's go through this and get it done and then get off. But then also like not having to travel. And then, yeah, w w I just have to put a shirt on. That's it. Right. And if and I have I, I'm in sweatpants home, like... and I, if I haven't like moved in three days from the couch, that's fine. No one needs to know. <laughs> yeah. This is product of my It's not grease. Yeah. I totally showered in the last week. <laughs> Don't fucking judge me. Yeah, exactly. Well, dude, good luck for the rest of the tour. And uh, how long do you guys have to go for it? It's a month and a half. Uh, 23 more shows, and the last show is April 26th, no, 24th, 3rd.
23rd. Damn. So yeah, you guys got a, yeah. <laughs> a month and some change, man. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of spread out and driving and yeah. We'll we'll enjoy some off days, but I think we're gonna need them on this tour. <laughs> well, you're pretty comfortable doing the marathon that you know a month and a half long tours are. So I, at this point, it's just sort of like getting the legs back under you and then yeah. keeping up the keeping it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Make sure you hydrate and get some rest and. Uh, I'm gonna hydrate, and I'm also I'm gonna have a, a nightcap. I'm gonna have an old fashioned, Ooh, and that's a daddy drink for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I definitely have embraced dad mode. Uh, everyone calls me dad on tour, and I I live that life very accurately. <laughs> what are the, what are the, the new uh, dad sandals that everybody's wearing right now? Um, Crocs. Crocs have come I mean, back. Cro- full tilt. Cro- I I definitely own a pair of Crocs, and they are amazing. I brought them on tour before. I didn't bring them on this tour. I so got, you're walking around with like a cup of coffee at all times? I'm pretty much sipping. like, I wear slides almost every day. Socks with slides. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. Um, I just am go, I go full comfort as often as I can. <laughs> Barefoot um, on stage if I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, dude, good luck with the tour. I'm excited for the record, man. I'm really excited. I'm real glad you took the time to, to talk. I'm sorry we weren't able to link up yesterday, but honestly, now that I'm knowing that it would have given you the time to fucking rest your voice pre-show. I'm glad that we did yeah. it on off day. Yeah, I, I, I would not have even been able to. Yesterday, Kai can attest, like, we were all, like, falling asleep, laying down, like, after VIP. Like, <laughs> Jose was asleep under a table. Zach was asleep on some chairs. Like, I was just laying down, just, like, trying to exist. So, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been like that. Well, good luck, man. I'm really excited. Oh, I'm, I'm going to sleep great tonight. Like a champion. Yeah. I do love, like, this literally feels like hitting camera, like, TV show. Like, you're, someone's going to come out from behind the curtain somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fucking bed slide. It drops down, actually. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Eye podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Eye, baby.